Hello and welcome back to the second episode of the Red Top podcast, the podcast that looks to get into the key issues affecting journalism. I'm your host, Charlie, and alongside me are my three co-hosts. Hello, Tio. Hello. Hello, Jack. Hello. And hello, Vincent. Hello. Uh, in this episode, we'll be looking at uh, issues such as lack of diversity in journalism, uh, the fifth estate, and what the future of journalism holds. And Tio, uh, you're going to kick us off by looking at the lack of diversity in the industry. That's right. We did talk a little bit about this last episode in relation to social class. Um, but there's also issues within the industry when it comes to female journalists, um, disa- disability representation, and also LGBTQ plus representation within journalism. Um, also, topics like uh, areas like ethnicity are quite important at the moment, um, especially in light of the Black Lives Matter movement that we saw last year that's still ongoing at the moment. Um, and also, a spike in hate crimes against Asian citizens recently um, and the, those two relate to ethnicity but also the Sarah Everard murder relates to gender um, and it's interesting looking at how these topics are covered in the media at the moment um, the topics are the, the, the issue of representation isn't a new issue I don't think because it has needed addressing within journalism for decades or longer even um, well, Theo, uh, I actually wanted to ask you a question now that you talked about this yeah uh, so, so are there any differences have you, uh, were you able to do you know of any differences in employment statistics between different minorities and groups like for example is one group employed more than the other uh, yes I know that journalism students who just graduated from university um, out of all of them 83% um, 83% are em- uh, find employment after graduating but they're more likely to be in work if they're white and if they don't ha- have a disability and also if they're in a higher socioeconomic group and the, there's about a 5 to 10% disparity there between white students and uh, the other students um, I think one thing that could help with this is uh, if representation is proportionate throughout uh, newsrooms across the country. Um, I think as a kid, being able to relate to reporters or any public figures that you're seeing in, in the media is so important as it gives gives an example of what uh, you could be doing when you when you're older. Um, also to go back to what you were saying Vincent privately funded 
schools have a disproportionate amount of um, employees in in the journalism industry, which is quite interesting, I think. I mean, a lot of the factors you just mentioned is something to me, in my opinion, shouldn't really be a factor in employing somebody anymore. But what do you think? Do you think, do you think we should give these people more of a voice or especially we give them more of a chance? Yeah, I don't think just because you pay to get into a certain school that you should have an unfair advantage into getting into industries. And oftentimes it's just because of the links that the powerful people at these schools have. It's not because of the students being cleverer, it's just because of um, rich people having connections sometimes. Thanks, Theo. That's some good stuff there. Um, one question I'd like to ask uh, is um, whether or not you think that uh, white reporters are able to report on stories about diverse communities. Because you, you've spoken about how it's more likely that if you're white, you'll be employed in the industry. And like with divisive topics like Black Lives Matter, do you think that it, white people can report on those stories or not? Yeah, I, I think not only um, are they allowed to, I think it's quite, uh, it's quite necessary. Become, necessary, yeah, or pro, um, lead to progression because if um, people that aren't uh, of that certain ethnicity are learning about the, uh, the, the history of um, the oppression and the issues that are being talked about then that's just leading to more people being educated on the issue and uh, yeah I don't think your skin colour should dictate what you can and can't talk about um, I'm not sure if you guys agree or no I, I definitely agree with, with what you said there well, I think the main thing is just to not have a uh, double standard. It's a, a, it, it's easy for um, a lot of the, the for a very progressive uh, conversations to be made about other pe- for people to speak on their own um, communities. However, uh, um, uh, some people can't. But I think it's important that everybody to still maintain the fact that everybody should be able to speak on whatever they want um, and should be able to put in there uh, as we were saying in the last episode which was that everybody should have their perspective put out there on each and every event or every single societal, um, anything that happens within society. That's right, yeah. Um, in terms of gender, do you, do, you, do you guys know any ways that women's voices could be promoted more in journalism? Um, I, I would say that I touched upon uh, in the last episode about the lack of uh, the working class uh, in journalism and I, I, I said that what you need to do is is promote more of these people uh, in, in the industry and, and then they can use their their position to, to promote uh, certain issues and it's, it's the same with uh, gender and particularly women as well there's there is a lack of women in in journalism compared to, to men and I think that the only way in which um, women's voices can be promoted in journalism is if there's sort of a you, in in newsrooms, there's a there's a 
certain requirements percentage of, of the employees that should should have to be women uh, to, to to be more progressive and to get the their their voices heard more. I think what's important for them is we really just need to encourage their listening to their voices a lot more. Like we need to push out their voices, their opinion. Like don't let them, don't let them be harassed. That's right. Yeah, and um, I think that will help with uh, like limiting the abuse that female journalists receive on on social media and in in comment sections sometimes. Think if it's normal for them to have a voice, then that might apply. Well, it's a, speaking of abuse, actually, I think that a community that gets a lot of abuse is probably the LGBTQ uh, plus community, and I think that they, for me personally, I think that their 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 presence in media has kind of they haven't really progressed and they haven't really gotten as far that much farther in me in terms of their voices. But I guess I just want to put this question to Tio, which is, what do you think is the kind of the state of of that that area of media and in terms of the mental mental side of things and how how to be how to everybody should understand them what voices do you think is necessary to be uh, put out there to kind of help with this uh, state of play of the, the LGBTQ plus media yeah at the moment it's still uh, predominantly heterosexual uh, dominated the industry is so um there needs to be more uh, transgender journalists and queer and all f- from all spectrums of the, the community uh, given opportunities to, to to use their voice and discuss discuss issues um, from within their community. At, at the moment there are a few um, platforms coming about. For example, there's one called the the Advocate, which is a it's sort of like a um, it is a it's a blog, yeah, it's a feminist blog that um, provides a platform for people from the LGBTQ plus community to discuss issues and uh, hear from hear from pioneers within uh, that industry one of them is Tracy E. Gilkirst who is a freelance writer who often writes posts about these topics and I think if we had more writers like her um, creating these platforms then that would help this community grow within journalism. Thank you, Theo, for your stuff on uh, lack of diversity. Now we're going to move on to a different topic, and Jack is going to talk about the fifth estate. Well, um, yeah, with the fifth estate, when when speak, well, when we're speaking about diversity before, it, it's definitely relevant to point out the relationship between diversity and the fifth estate, as uh, diversity has grown, uh, arguably, with the with the introduction and development of the uh, fifth estate, as it will utilize anyone that wishes to give any opinion on any on any topic. Uh, Jack, just just to ask a question, the the fifth estate is quite a quite a new um, idea. Could could you possibly explain what the fifth estate actually is? 
Yeah, so, I mean, if you if you look at study.com, for instance, they have a they they kind of say it as a non-traditional media, which is like the online media in, in particular. Um, so you've got the four the four other branches of media where you've got the executive branch, which is political figures. You have the legislative branch, which is when you go into when you find a place like Parliament or Congress or wherever it is, whatever the name is for whoever it is. And then you got the judicial branch, which is the Supreme Court. And then, then you have the fifth estate, which is the, uh, with the, or no, the fourth estate, which is the mass and traditional media. And then you have the fifth estate, which is the online. It's kind of the blogs. It's the Instagrams. It's the, it's the people that, it's just accessible news. That's what it is. It sometimes it leads to more fake news, but it, most of the time it's just that it's more of an idea. Well, Jack, regarding what you just said, do you think that Fifth Estate is going to become the most important, acceptable, and really accessible part of the four uh, part of the four branches of media? What do you think? Is this for? Or what, uh, or what do any of you guys think? Um, I, 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 I would say that it would become the most important part because, as we see, particularly um, with the with the mass and the traditional media. They, they haven't really progressed onto online as much. It's still quite quite heavily reliant on print, and that that is declining as as a power of importance in the media. And with with the fifth estate, it's it's online, and with with social media, it will be very easy to to get your views out on there if you run a blog. And I think it will, over time we'll see that the, the fifth estate will become the most important. Uh, branch of the media just to add in on that is as charlie was saying i think the main point is that there's 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 instagram there's instagram there's snapchat there's all these different um new ways of of communicating information uh that is is definitely going to become probably the most i think it may become the most prominent branch of media just because it is what everybody is doing right now um but yeah i think it's 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 um i think it, the other thing is to look at the impacts that will rise from the fifth estate and i wanted to put this question to vincent was uh which is what impact do you think that the rise of the fifth estate could bring to any of the other aspects of journalism that we've discussed maybe just in in, in, in maybe in more context to our podcast in the last two episodes this and the uh, last episode well, it's actually interesting to think about because the mistake kind of relates to everything we've talked about, such as diversity and you need to give more to others and skipping ahead. But uh, later on, uh, later in the process, we'll talk about some things that makes people distrust journalism. I think the Fifth Estate actually does away with all that because, as we discussed, it's give its online voice. It's the voice of anyone. It's not CNN, New York Times, BBC, or any other like large company. So. I feel like when 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 this idea is developed more and people have more time to think about it, they can see that it's um, that it does away with like government that it's that it does away with like government control or control of other powerful individuals. It's just giving voice to like everybody who needs it. So any group that would need it, whether you're a working class and LGBT LGBT. Um, yeah, so I think it's just a really positive thing, and I hope that really, really develops to become the most important part of the fourth parts of media. Yeah, I think it it could become the most important because it sort of can do the job of other um, other factions of of the system. So, with the fourth estate, um, which scrutinizes 
uh, large organizations like government and and so on. Um, the fifth estate uh, gives gives more people the power to do that as well. Um, so I think it's arguably the most impactful or could be in the future. Well, it is, I think it also helps that the, the, that education is is not really a prominent um, aspect of this part of, of this branch of media because obviously you don't need an education. Yeah, you, I forgot to mention my last question as well, but I think it, you definitely it's definitely important to recognize that because I think that's a big part, mainly with diversity, because I think a lot of the time the diversity and the lack of diversity is down to the fact that people just simply can't pay for a lot of the prime educations or the, or the very highest educations and they can't get the best education when they're when they're growing up so i think that the the idea that you can that a lot of people can put anybody can put it out will will kind of dissolve that that aspect of the media to a certain extent thank you jack for your uh, part on the the fifth estate um as you mentioned it's a relatively new topic and we're going to look to a, to, a, to, a, to a topic that's happening in the future now and, and the rise of impartial news, particularly GB news. Uh, we've, see, we've seen in, in the US particularly how uh, impartial news has does damage to the media, particularly Fox News is, is infamous for its partisan reporting in favour of the Republicans and Trump. But that, that type of reporting can't happen on UK TV news channels because it's patrolled by Ofcom, the, the government regulator. And in its code of conduct, it states that news in whatever form must be reported with due accuracy and presented with due partiality. So BBC News, ITV News and Sky, they all have to stay in these guidelines. Um, and now a new TV uh, news channel is coming later this year called GB News. It's headed by Andrew Neil, who used to work for the BBC as a political presenter. And he, he promises that he is committed to impartial journalism, but he has already called out those uh, who are increasingly... So do, do, do you agree with Andrew Neil that um, the news coverage in the UK has become increasingly woke? Um, I would probably say a lot, uh, definitely a lot more than in in previous times. I think if you just compare, if you just simply compare different news broadcasts to how it is in the back in the back in the seventies, eighties, I can even remember personally. I can remember an uh, interview with Helen Mirren, where um, the broadcaster was talking about her her breasts, and it just I talked about how big they were. And just thinking about if if someone asked that about that now, it just wouldn't happen. It's it, in terms of that. It's in terms of moving. Maybe not in terms of woke or in terms, but in terms of just making it more acceptable, making the, the, the information on news a lot more acceptable. I would definitely say, that, yes, it is definitely more increasingly uh, in woke. And I think it's also to do with the with the accessibility of it. Obviously, I think news uh, at one point was was radio and that in and that, and only a few, only a majority, a, a minority of people had a radio because it was obviously a technology that was expensive at the time but however as we said with the fifth estate is becoming a lot more accessible to get information to get news so everybody's allowed to get it which means everybody can now formulate their own perspective on it which means that every that the whole that the the majority 
uh, or the or the main or the main um, mentality behind news is definitely changing into a into a more of the more of the majority of the of people in the world. Yeah, I I, I particularly agree that I think the in, particularly in mainstream media um, stuff has become more woke. Particularly if you look at on social media as well with, with cancel culture and I think that uh, perhaps the media are a little bit scared whenever they whenever uh, somebody might bring up a, a divisive issue I know the writer she left the Guardian because whenever she'd write a column that might mention trans rights it was always edited out of it she wasn't allowed to to, to give her own thoughts on that and I think that uh, in, in particularly in the UK, perhaps on in the media that it's left wing, it is becoming particularly woke. That can definitely tip over to the other side, though. Sometimes I think as, as the cancel culture. I'm, I'm, I'm particularly personally, I'm not a big fan of cancel culture. I think it's quite, I think it's quite disgusting. Almost sometimes it's what they do to people. Um, but I think it's at the same time. I think it, the, it, the cancel culture is. Uh, is definitely becoming more prominent in the world at the moment but and it's it, it it kind of almost cancel culture in my opinion sometimes it shuts down the debate because i think some a lot of times with cancel culture it's just if someone has a disagreeing opinion to someone it's almost just the prompt for someone you were going to cancel them or cancel culture must be applied here which i think is again i'm not i don't think it's a very good concept to use because then again you just shut down the debate and it and it and it brings fear to anybody that wants to or not fear maybe that's a bit dramatic but you have this yeah exactly discouragement to, to to voice your opinion no matter if it is if it is the um the, the, the different perspective to, to to the majority but yeah yeah um just just to bring it back to the gb news now and on on the subject of impartiality there's been rumors circulating in the press that um when when they've tried to recruit journalists um the, they they have the GB News has been pitched as the right wing alternative to the BBC, which doesn't do do its prospects well when they say that they will conform to impartiality laws. Uh, Marina Hyde wrote in the Guardian um, about GB News. Uh, she said, "Imagine being the country that has watched the last four years unfold in the US, with its bloodline so easily traceable to the Fox sensibility, and is nonetheless thinking." Let's have a bit of that. Uh, for me personally, I would, I would agree with what Marina Hyde is saying that I think impartiality can only be a force for good in journalism, particularly when you have a media that isn't that isn't regulated the same as the, the TV news is, and you you see all the time how they they'll report something with their their slant on it, be it, be it a right wing slant or a left wing slant, and I think that. Uh, but, impartiality is only a good thing when you look to get to news report news from just just as it is now, I'd, I'd like to get your your lot thoughts on do you think that tv news channel should have to follow strict guidelines around impartiality or if, if gb news does want to be the sort of right-wing alternative like for like foxes in the us do you think they should be allowed to do that i personally think that degree of impartiality is important to maintain because um, if it's like uh, over in America how 
I know it's slightly different, but with the, um, the storming of the capital that we saw, if if the coverage of an issue like that was um, not regulated and biased towards one side, then that could have been an even worse situation if Trump's um, Trump's words were backed up by those in the media. Um, so I think having an independent uh, regulatory body like Ofcom um, just to ensure that there is not there aren't biased um, coverage too strong to either side I think that's important just just to uh, keep keep the balance maintained but obviously you're never going to be able to um, you're never going to be able to limit the agendas that each com- each uh, media outlet is looking to push but because um, they're all reporting from different angles and you can't really um, impen- uh, impede the freedom of speech but I think impartiality is still important well, that's actually just to add on to that. That's uh, that ba- the uh, the idea of balance that Tio was talking about just then is is quite is quite something. I've, something I've read actually was Peter J. Anderson uh, and Jeff Ward their book about the future of journalism in the advanced democ- uh, democracies, um, and they were talking. It, he kind of talked about that balance as well, which is making news accessible um, without. Uh, and his quote is without compromising in terms of its range of chosen subject matter or the presentation of its complexity and context. And I think he's just talking about the idealistic perspective of uh, supplying information or news without compromising its integrity. Um, so obviously, I've, and, and I think that that kind of links into other things, which is such a big idea now. Maybe again, linking with the fifth estate. I know we're beating it down to a bush, beating it to beating it to dead. But I think the idea of sensational sensationalism and trivialization of it is um, is definitely a, a, the con, is definitely the the the, the kind of pushing the opposing factor against uh, what they're trying what Peter J Anderson is trying to say in that quote. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's my part done now. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, um, what was that phrase, Jack? Beating it down to a bush. <laughs> beating it down to a bush. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was I don't know. I don't know. I'm tired, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Vincent, you want to raise a different point about what the future journalism holds. Right, thank you. So, but before I start anything, I just wanted to present you guys a little statistic that I found. A 2018 poll conducted in the US found that only 28% of the participants believe that journalism was doing a good job supporting democracy. Meanwhile, 43% believe that it was doing a poor job supporting democracy. I just wanted to hear what is your guys' opinion on the statistic and how do you think we could maybe improve it so that it's not such a split? Um, I think one of the causes of that split is the spread of misinformation. Um, I think this is one of the biggest dangers to um, to like honest reporting and progressive journalism because the if if misinformation spread 
there's rarely um rarely an interjection that stops it um being spread among masses and so the one thing i'd change is maybe incorporate more fact checking in into journalism to combat this spread of misinformation i think that's probably the most crucial change that we need at the moment what just to add on to that actually i think that there's um with uh with, i was trying to say before with bill reader but i think with the civility he was talking about the civility of comment uh, and i think that's quite he also brings up a good point when he's talking about that stuff which uh, links into what Tia is saying is that there's a huge disconnect between professional journalism and a journalist and most foreign participants that put in information into there so you go i think that it, there's obviously just going to be a huge discrepancy over understanding of the situation which is also something that i think could be important of um uh, of uh something that we just need to raise awareness and um raise it raise the right perceptions of, of situations and then trying to push these negative or sometimes where they don't need to be or um just any any destructive uh, destructive uh, point of views yeah i i would say that to, to improve the, the the split i'd say that this 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 poll was done in the us and it was done in 2018 when 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 trump was the president and obviously there was there was with trump there was the whole just storm of misinformation like Theo says I think that the only way it can improve is if uh, journalists have to try and look for the truth to try and combat fake news and misinformation. Because a, a, a democracy can only function if there is if there is a fair and a free press. And I think that the the only way that that can happen is if journalists do look look for the truth and and don't just accept that that the press. The press has been commercialised, and they're they're doing it for clicks or clickbait or fake news. They need to get to the truth of issues so that society can can believe in what the press says. That's right, yeah, and hopefully we get there sooner rather than later. Okay, so we've we think we've come to the end of um to, to today's episode. We've covered a range of topics, and I think I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed myself whilst whilst we've done this. Uh, so I think that's all that's left to say is uh, thank you and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thanks.